Amen. Good morning. It's a real thrill to be with you once again and have an opportunity to share from God's Word. God is good. All the time. That's right. And all the time, God is good. And I just thank Him for who He is and what He means in my life. We want to continue our study through the book of Romans. And I trust that God has been speaking to you out of His Word. And we turn our attention to Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. Our subject this morning is the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind. And God has something He wants to reveal to us out of His Word on that subject. And so let's begin at verse number 1 of chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin and sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The, man of sinful, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers... We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. Let's just acknowledge the Lord once again in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. Thank you for allowing us to be gathered here once again. God, we don't take it for granted that we are in church on Sunday morning. 
Many people were alive last Sunday who aren't here this Sunday. Many people were in church last Sunday and are unable to be out uh, this Sunday, even though they may want to be. And so, Father, you have blessed us and allowed us to gather and to worship you. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the difference that Jesus Christ has made in our life. And now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, we need you. Father, I pray that you will prepare the hearts of everyone who is here this morning to hear from you. And may your spirit minister to each and every heart and mind. And may no one leave here the same way they came in. But may everyone be more encouraged to trust you, more devoted to you, dear God. Challenge us and inspire us through your word. Father, I also pray that you would be with me. Help me to remember the things that you laid on my heart this week as I prepared this sermon. Father, I pray that you would anoint me and use my mind and my voice and my body to minister the truth of your word. So God, be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> the scripture often describes life as an ongoing battle. And the battle that we're facing isn't a physical battle. This isn't about the idea of going out there and beating up someone or taking up arms. But it is no, nonetheless a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle between good and evil. A battle between God's will being done in our life and Satan hindering God's will being done in our life. Those are the two opposing forces. God and Satan or good and evil. The objective is to actually capture our soul and claim it for themselves. But where does this battle take place? What's the battlefield? Well, the battlefield is our very mind. Our mind is a battlefield. And Satan and God are battling for control of our mind. And the question for us to consider this morning, who's winning that battle? Who's controlling your mind? And how do we make sure that God is winning the battle in our mind? In the passage we're considering this morning here in Romans 8, Paul begins by touching on some of the themes mentioned in previous chapters. And we won't spend a lot of time on this because we covered it in the past. But all of these things relate to the general ideal of freedom. Just put up the next slide. So all of these things relate to the ideal of freedom. In verse 1 he talks about, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are free from condemnation. Our guilt and our shame is gone. God has forgiven us of our sin. That's one of the beautiful things about living a life as a Christian. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have things in our past that we regret, things that we have done that we know are wrong. But when we come to Christ, He forgives us. He takes away that shame and that guilt. We are declared not guilty in the eyes of God. The other thing He says in verse 4 is that we have experienced freedom from the control of our sinful nature. There are two types of people in the world. This is what he says in verse number 5. Those who are under the control of the sinful nature and those who are under the control of the Holy Spirit. So which are we? But those of us who have given our hearts to God, we have been freed from the control of our sinful nature. And then in verse 14, he says that we have the freedom to become children of God. Notice the contrast here. We used to be slaves to sin, but now we are children of God. Those two words, slave and child, they conjure very different images. Which would you rather be? A child of God or a slave to sin? 
Verse 17 says we have been adopted into God's family and are heirs in God's inheritance. In other words, we're in his will. God is our father. We're heirs of all of the blessings of heaven, all the good things that God has in store for us. Later in this same chapter, in verse 32, Paul says this. He, speaking of God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You know what he's saying? God has already demonstrated the extent to which he would give us the blessings of heaven. Because he gave up his own son. And if he would give up his own son for us, then he would give us anything. There's nothing else more precious than that. So we are children of God, heirs with him and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But let's look again at verses 5 to 9, because this is what we really want to focus on. This idea of the battle for your mind. In verses 5 to 9, it describes the battle for our mind. The battle for our mind to be controlled by the sinful nature or by the Spirit of God. Can we get the next stroke? Okay, there you go. Good. It's working now? Fantastic. Who's controlling our mind? Is it Satan through the sinful nature or our minds being controlled by God through the Holy Spirit? Paul talks about this battlefield and the importance of our mind in Romans chapter 12. If you can't turn with me there, Romans 12, we want to read verses 1 to 2. He says, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. To offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, we must first experience a spiritual transformation. We all need to be transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this transformation involves a renewing of our minds. That's what happens fundamentally when a person becomes a Christian. And that's why it is really different being a Christian, being in a relationship with God, and just being religious. Being religious means you go to church, you do religious things like read your Bible or other things like that. But when we are truly saved, we are transformed. We are made new. We become a different person. We don't become a different person in that we look different. Some of us wish that would be the case. If you've got gray before you come to Christ, you'll have gray afterwards. You know, how tall you are or what, how short you are, all those things will be the same. You know, when you become a Christian, you will not walk down the street and people not recognize you anymore because you look so different. But where the change will be really evident is in our minds. We think differently. What we focus on, our attitudes, our ambitions, our desires, that is what has changed. There's a fundamental difference between a person whose mind is controlled by the spirit and one who's controlled by the sinful nature. This renewing of our minds that Paul talks about means allowing God to change the way we think. So again, I ask, are we controlled by the sinful nature or the Spirit of God? Now Paul goes on to give some consequences for allowing ourselves to be controlled by the sinful nature and some rewards for allowing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to control our minds. And let's just look at that. Verse number 5. If we are controlled by the sinful nature... Our minds will be dominated by thoughts of sinful things. Again, a mind that has not been renewed, 
not been transformed, it will be dominated by thoughts of sinful things. What do you think about through the course of a day or a week? Verse number 7, he says, If our mind is controlled by the sinful nature, our attitude will be hostile towards God. Now some people are what you would call passive-aggressive towards God. You know, they, they claim to be a Christian, they claim to believe in Him. You know, outwardly their lives may not be so bad, but inwardly they have this passive ag- aggressiveness against God to say, I will live my life the way that I want. I'll do what I think is right. I will not live in obedience to God's Word. He said, if we are controlled by the sinful nature, we will not submit to God's law. And if not only will we not submit to God's law, we can't do it. If we're controlled by the sinful nature, we will find it absolutely impossible to live in obedience to God's word. We'll know that something is wrong to do or that something is right to do, but we'll do the things that's wrong and we won't do the things that's right. Even though we may, you know, inwardly desire to do differently because if you're controlled by the sinful nature, you cannot submit to God's law. It goes on to say, those who are controlled by the sinful nature will not please God. Verse 9, ultimately a person who's controlled by the sinful nature, they are not saved. That's a pretty strong statement. But you cannot be controlled by the sinful nature and be saved from your sins at the same time. You cannot be controlled by the sinful nature and yet have the Spirit of God living in you. It's one or the other. My wife and I were listening to a song this morning as we were getting ready in the house by a group called the Winans. And it was talking about bring back the days of yea and nay. And one of the lines in that talk about bring back the days when there was right and wrong. Yes and no. When people said what they meant. They were either for it or against. You know the kind of black and white days. Now everything is kind of just kind of gray. You know there's no, there's no truth in error. There's no right and false. It's just all kind of blended together. Well what this is telling us is that there are two different, distinctly different people in the world. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature and those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. They cannot submit to His will. They're hostile toward Him. And ultimately that means then they're not a child of God. Verse 9, let's look at it. It says, you however are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You cannot be a Christian and not have the Spirit of God living in you. And then go back to verse number 6. One of the consequences of being controlled by the sinful nature is that it will lead to death. And he's talking about spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. That's what it does. But also it can lead to an emotional death. People who are controlled by the sinful nature, who are not allowing the Spirit of God to control them, will often find themselves in despair and hopelessness. But now let's contrast that with what he says if you're controlled by the Spirit of God. The rewards of being controlled by the Spirit of God, in verse number 5, our minds will be dominated by thoughts of things that please the Spirit of God. I was challenged on this. I remember a time in my life when as I just drove in the car, you know, and was just busy with my thoughts, that my thoughts would often go to things that were wrong. You know, maybe fantasies, desires, thoughts, all those type of things. But when God really changed my heart and my mind, it began to be as I'm just driving down the road, my mind is thinking about things of God. Thinking about the church. Thinking about the people of God. Thinking about scriptures I've read. How God is speaking to me. This is what happens when we allow the Spirit of God to control our minds. Our thoughts are constantly being filled with things of God. 
dominated by thoughts of things that please the Spirit. In verse 6 he says that being controlled by the Spirit of God will lead to eternal life and peace with God. There's a battle for our minds. Anybody not clear of that? We experience it. It happens to us every day. There's a fight going up there. God and Satan, good and evil, do the things that please God or do the things that anger God. And if we allow our minds to be dominated by the wrong thing, by, by the sinful nature, by Satan, we'll find ourselves constantly thinking about how to please him. But if we allow our minds to be controlled by the Spirit of God, it will bring life and peace. Peace with God, a relationship with him and the assurance that when we leave this earth, we'll go to heaven, but also a peace from God, a certain contentment. A deep-seated assurance that everything will work out all right. We need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Verse 7, when we are controlled by the Spirit of God, we will submit to God's law and please Him. We cannot submit to God's law unless we're being controlled by the Spirit of God. it's, It's like an impossibility. I had to learn that the hard way. I was speaking at a church last week and sharing a little bit of my testimony, how I grew up in the church, but I grew up in a very strict kind of fundamentalist church. You know, holiness church. And I I began at a very early age to see being a Christian all about do's and don'ts. Rules and regulations. And try really hard not to sin. Not to do what was wrong. And that was my focus. But I didn't fully understand that I couldn't live a righteous, holy life without the power of God empowering me to do so. It's impossible. But when the power of God has control of our life, it becomes easier. There's something wrong with a person who's a Christian and, find, and they're finding it absolutely impossible to do what's right. Just, just impossible. I just try, just try, just can't do what's right. I just constantly do what's wrong. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. There's a deeper, greater, more blessed experience with Him than that. And we must never settle for that. That doesn't mean that you're not saved, but it means that you need to really go before God and ask Him, Lord, why am I not experiencing you the way that I should? Don't accept that. God wants to do so much more in your life than that. The other thing He says in verse number 10 is that when we allow ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit of God, we will be dead to sin but alive to doing what is right. What does he mean by dead to sin? It's that when we're controlled by the Spirit of God, we are unresponsive to sin's urgings. There was a time we were dead to what was right. You know, um, can you remember a time when you came to a church service like this and as the message was going on and as you read God's Word or you hear the songs that we sang earlier, they had no impact on you at all. You, You were dead to it. But when God changes our heart and our mind, then these spiritual things, they they have an impact on us. Have you ever found yourself getting emotional as you read, I mean, not read, but as you sing the song, just looking at the words on the screen and and thinking about what they mean and you feel emotion rising up inside of you, thinking about God's love of His grace or His mercy? That's because you've been changed and now you're responsive to the things of God. There are people that could sing these songs all day long, all week long, and it wouldn't mean one thing to them. This is the difference. But now that we are alive to Christ, we are dead to sin. And, and the influence that sin once had on us, doesn't have on us anymore. To be dead to something is to be unresponsive to it. You know, if you've ever seen a corpse, I mean, you can yell at that person, you can shake them, you can pinch them, you can pour water in their face, whatever, they're not going to respond at all. That's how we are to be to sin, 
to sin's urging. We don't respond to it. Doesn't have the impact on us at all. When when Satan is yelling our name and calling us and beckoning us and trying to get our attention, we're dead to it because we are alive to Christ. And then verse 13, he says, if we're controlled by the spirit of God, we will be children of God. And what a blessed thing that is to know that we have gone from being slaves to Satan, an awful position to being very children of God. There's no greater calling than that. There's no greater desire in our hearts than to be the children of God. Well, we're talking about this battle for our mind. And being controlled either by the sinful nature, Satan, things that are wrong, or being controlled by the things of God. But how do we make sure that this is a real and present reality in our life? How do we make sure that this is just not words that Paul is saying or words on a page or something that's being taught? And we kind of agree with it and we know, yeah, this is how it should be. But have to admit, that's not the reality in my life. How does it become a reality in our life? How do we ensure... That we are controlled by the Spirit of God and not the sinful nature. We'll hear three things that we'll share. The first is, we have to make sure that the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God must live in us. We cannot do it in our own strength. That's why it's a miracle. It is an absolute miracle for someone to have a mind that is full of hatred, full of rage, maybe even racism against other people. Just just hate people. And then all of a sudden they become the most loving, gracious, generous person you could ever want to meet. Don't tell me that's not a miracle. That is a miracle. That is a spiritual transformation, a renewing of their mind. Or take someone who is consumed with lustful thoughts, just constantly lustful thoughts in their minds and their hearts all the time. And yet, through the Spirit of God, those thoughts are gone. They don't dominate their mind. They're not focused on that. Or maybe someone who is greedy and and envious and just always thinking about how they can have what somebody else has and, and jealous of other people. And yet, through the renewing of their mind, the transformation, their mind is changed. You know how that happens? Because the Spirit of God comes and lives within them. Who gets the Spirit of God? Is it just for some Christians? Is it something that happens down the road or after you reach a certain level, then the Spirit of God comes to live within you? No. The Bible says the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. That's the difference between what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be religious We have God living inside of us, empowering us, equipping us to do the things that he wants us to do. And to have the spirit of God come and live within you, you've got to confess your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You have to be saved from your sins. We cannot live free from the power of sin without the Holy Spirit. But then when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, we have to surrender to him and let him have his way in our life. I've been talking this morning about the battle for our mind between good and evil. But you know what also happens a lot of times is there's a battle that goes on in many Christians between who will have control of our life. Will it be God or will it be us? To what extent will we surrender? To what extent will we live in obedience to him? And that's a terrible place to be. If if as a Christian you're battling with God about surrendering things and who's going to have control, your life will never be blessed. Imagine how difficult it would have been for my wife and I to drive from Perth down here this morning if as I was coming down to A9, Karen was fighting with me for control of the wheel. (laughs) Who's going to drive the car? I'm trying to drive and she's reaching over trying to grab the wheel too. No, only one person can drive the car and the other person needs to be the passenger. 
in your life, who's driving the car and who's the passenger? Are you fighting with the Holy Spirit for control of your life? If you're doing that, you're going to end up in a wreck. And many of us have done that. But if we surrender our lives to God, again, what we saw in Romans 12 and 1, if we become these living sacrifices, God will have control and our lives will be blessed. One of the problems with living sacrifices, though, is they can get up off the altar. (laughs) See, in the Old Testament, they would offer animal and it'd be a dead sacrifice. It wasn't going anywhere. But God doesn't ask us to be dead sacrifices. We're living sacrifices, which means every day we have to decide, am I going to be a sacrifice to God today? Am I going to submit to Him today? And when we do, our life is blessed. And when we don't, our life will be a wreck. We have to live with this attitude of obedience. And I say an attitude of obedience because obedience is not just an act. It's not just what you do. It's a mindset. Do you have an attitude, a heart of obedience to God? I want to do what pleases Him. The challenge is many of us in big things, you know, the Ten Commandments, we may keep those. But what about what you might call minor things in our life? Do we surrender to God things like what we watch on television? What we listen to, where we go, the people we associate with, you know, even people who may drain us spiritually. Have we surrendered all of these things to God? There's a, a scripture that talks about it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And that our spiritual walk with God, sometimes it's the little things that can really hinder us in our walk with God. And until we're willing to surrender those things, maybe even the music you listen to. Things that don't feed the spirit, they feed the fleshy side of you. And they really keep you from experiencing God's blessings and His power and His peace in your life. Are you ready to surrender that to Him? And it may not be sin, but it could be something that leads to sin. We've got to surrender all of these things. The issue here is what we feed in our life will grow. And what we starve will die. We've got to feed the spiritual man if that's going to have control over us. If we feed in the natural man, that's what's going to control us. If we feed on the spiritual things that influence the Spirit of God in our lives, our lives will grow spiritually. But if we feed the sinful nature in our lives, that will grow. And in that battle, who do you want to be stronger? You want the spiritual side of you to be stronger. So you've got to feed that. The next thing we need to do is we must discipline our minds. First of all, we've got to have the Spirit of God in us. We can't do this in our own strength. But secondly, there are some things that we must do. We must discipline our minds. Verse 5 to 7 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Talking about the mind here, and we've got to discipline it. We've got to be careful what we think about. You've got to guard your mind. You know, often we can put so much emphasis in things like air pollution. You know, concerned about that. Or water pollution. You know, maybe you find yourself only drinking bottled water because, you know, you're so concerned about making sure that you have the purest water. But what about mind pollution? Do you ever think about that? Ever wonder about whether or not I'm polluting my mind with things that really don't benefit me spiritually? We need to guard our minds and be careful what we think about. The Bible gives us some advice on this. 
in terms of what we should think about. In Philippians 4 and 8, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the types of things we should think about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it talks of taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. You know, when anger, resentment, fear, doubt come to your mind, arrest in that thought and bring it in, in captivity to the obedience of, to the will of God. We have to do that. Sometimes a thought can come in our mind and we literally have to just, nope, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not thinking about that. Cast it out of our minds. We can't allow every thought to come in our mind to just fester there. Sometimes we have to find a way to change you know, what we're thinking about. Maybe start quoting scripture, get our Bibles out, pray, put on a Christian CD, something to control our mind. But we must discipline our mind. We can't allow negative thoughts to come in. You know how easy it is for a negative thought to come into our mind and change our mood and our attitude like that? We might be happy, contented, no problem. All of a sudden a thought comes to our mind and we'll feel ourselves getting angry. Feel ourselves getting frustrated. Nothing's changed. <laughs> We're sitting on the couch in our own homes, but all of a sudden our whole mood has changed because of a thought. I know that happens to me. There are times I'm sitting on the couch and then I'll remember what somebody said or remember what somebody did or remember something and all of a sudden I'll begin to feel my whole mood changing. But I thank God I'd quickly try to cast that away. So at least other people around me don't realize it. My family will probably say, well, I don't show much emotion. Well, they don't know sometimes what goes on in my head. But you have to cast those things down and not let them change your mood. My dad had a saying I thought was so true. He says... You know, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> and that's how thoughts are. You can't keep thoughts from coming into your mind. Sometimes a thought will come to your mind and you will have no idea where it came from, but you can keep that thought from making a home in your head. Cast it out. Bring it into obedience to God's will. Discipline your mind. And then lastly, the third thing we want to do, is control our body. <laughs> we can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but you know, we often can over-spiritualize things and talk about how that, you know, God's got to do it and stuff. And that is true. But this is a cooperation between us and God. We've got to depend on Him. We've got to surrender to Him, allow Him work through us, but we need to cooperate with Him. We can't fight against Him. God is not going to force us to do what's right. We have a role to play in this as well. Heard someone describe it this way, that we have to trust in God as if it all depends on Him. But obey as if it all depends on us. It's us working with God in this. So we can't say when we mess up, God is on you. You're the one supposed to keep me. You know, I'm trusting you. you. You're supposed to make sure I didn't give in to that temptation or control my mind or my body. No, it's not on God. We have a role to play in this as well. We have to trust Him, and we have to obey Him. Paul talks about here in this passage, about putting to death the misdeeds of the body. In verse number 13, he says, If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, or empowered by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I, I just noticed how strong a term that is, putting to death 
the misdeeds of the body. But then in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he says, talking about living for Christ, No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. <coughs> Just look at those two phrases, putting to death and beating my body and making it my slave. This is what's required to live the Christian life. We can't be easy on this old boy here. And that's the problem with many of us. We're just too easy on ourselves. We don't want to discipline our mind. We don't want to control our thoughts. We just want to allow the, the, the flesh or the body to just run rap and do whatever it has. And sometimes we have to just grab ourselves in the collar and just say, no, I will not watch that. No, I will not read that. No, I will not go there. No, my mind will not wander off in that area. No, I will not give in to this temptation. And when we do that, God's Spirit will help us to hold true to that commitment. But we can't just give in to every thought that comes to our mind. Satan just whispers resentment into our minds and we just accept it. Doubt, we accept it. Fear, we accept it. Anger, we just accept it. Sometimes we have to say, no, I'm not getting angry. No, I'm not going to be resentful. No, I will not have fear. No, I will not have doubt. No, I will not have lust in my heart. Control our bodies. Put to death the misdeeds of the body and beat my body. Do we do that? <laughs> do we have this sense that we beat our body every day and make it our slave? Bring it into obedience to what God wants? This is what the scripture says we must do. All of this is the ideal of self-control. And that may sound like a very natural thing, but do you realize that self-control is one of the gifts of the Spirit? It's the gift of the Spirit. And Galatians 5.22 is lists self-control as a gift of the Spirit. And several times in the New Testament, Christians are admonished to exercise self-control, to deny themselves and control their impulses. God help us to do that, to control our body. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit, make sure He's living within us, as we discipline our mind and control our body, we will find that the Spirit of God will have a greater freedom in our mind and will have greater control over ourselves and we will win that battle of our mind with God's help. One final takeaway on this lesson for this morning. This week, can I encourage you to be more aware of the battle that's going on in your mind. That the thoughts that come in are just random. Just happen to think about it. They're not unconnected with your spiritual life. That these thoughts are actually either thoughts from God to encourage you or thoughts from Satan to discourage you. Satan wants control of your soul. He wants to claim your very soul for himself so that you will miss out on heaven. That you will be eternally separated from God. Satan already knows he's going to hell. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. The battlefield, though, is not, as we walk around, is not in Perth or Moody's Burn or Glasgow or Chicago or anywhere. The battle is in our mind. But God has already given us the victory if we will trust Him and surrender to His will. Let's do that this week. And not just this week, but every week. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for just this message this morning. Thank you for the instruction and admonishment and also the encouragement that we receive from it. God, we realize that there is a battle going on for our very soul. Satan wants to claim us for his own. He wants to take us to hell and spend all of eternity with him. But God, you sent your son to die on the cross so that we would be freed from him 
and no longer a slave to sin, but children of God. Father, help us to win this battle for our mind. I pray, dear God, that you would give us your grace and strength. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to be obedient to you and allow your power to help us to fight against these evil and negative thoughts. Lord, I pray for anyone here who is experiencing a real sense of mental anguish. That, that this battle they've been losing, God, I pray that they will just surrender to you and that you begin to work your will in their life and help them to have the victory. Father, thank you that your word promises us the victory, that if we just believe in you and surrender to you, we will conquer anything that Satan brings our way. So God, once again, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who raised their hand. I pray, dear God, that you would minister to them where they are. And that they will leave here with a whole different mindset, a whole different attitude. And this week, begin to have victory over the things that Satan brings their way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.